Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Ross Martin and Mike Ingersoll. It is the Inside Carolina Radio Show, sponsored by Jersey Mike's of Chapel Hill. Guys, no ball game to talk about. Uh, so, Ross did his thing and posted. Oh, you mean because it's a bye week, or are you just talking about it generally? That's um, the theme for the season. Well, they, there, there are several ways to take what I said. Oh, you mean there uh, is literally not a football game this week? That's, oh, I get it. There are no games. There are no college oh, football oh, games this week. Oh, I get I get Oh, sorry. Sorry. So uh, as you as you see, we've got Happy Mike and Mike. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, start on these Twitter questions that uh, Ross got a hold of, and uh, I don't know if this person listens to the podcast regularly, but the question is from Drew. Since the discussion is out in the open now, see Buck Sanders' recent column. If things don't turn around substantially, does Carolina move along from Larry Fedora? And what has to happen for him to stay or go? Let's not talk about it that detailed. Mike, I'll start with you on it. Um, but let's talk about sort of like the, the kind of coach that you think that maybe North Carolina needs if a change were to be made um, at some point prior to the 2019 season. Mike, you're first. And then Ross, I want to hear your thoughts as well. In terms of coaching style, we've talked about college staffs versus versus pro staffs, and I'll always be a, a proponent of the pro-style coaching staff just because I think kids respond to it better. Um, and in today's current recruiting climate, you need to treat kids the way they think they want to be treated, and they're not going to respond to screaming and yelling and dog cussing. And I think the, the, the days of the old uh, Bob Stoops screaming, yelling, coaching staff, uh, junction boys type attitude is is gone by the wayside. And if you're going to be stuck in the past and coaching that way, life's going to be a little difficult for you. So that's I think that's that's the type of staff you're looking for schematically. I mean, we can get into that, but just from a relational standpoint, I think that's the answer. Yeah, and I remember when Bubba was looking for, uh, obviously when he hired Fedora, his criteria was a, a, a coach who has coached, um, has been a head coach before. And it'll be interesting to see if he takes that same route. I think that's a good starting point in terms of, you know, it's, it's such a CEO job. It, it's more than just being a coordinator and the X's and O's and being a motivator and, and knowing how to, to coach kids. You have to run a program. And that is a lot more than what a coordinator, um, offense, defense coordinator has done before. So I think that's important to think about when, when you do think about, uh, you know, whether or not there is a change being made with the next coach that Bubba's probably going to look for a coach who has been a head coach before at a lower level. And then that eliminates, you know, some names that I've seen float around like the LSU defensive coordinator, um, Aranda, I believe is his name, things like that. But, you know, I think with UNC, it's such an interesting deal. I think you have to be able to recruit and be able to really delegate and hire good recruiters who know the area have, have built relationships already in many of the top areas that UNC recruits that being Georgia, North Carolina, Virginia, you know, parts of, of South Carolina and that stuff. And then, and then just it's got to be a personality that, you know, clicks with the fan base. And I think Fedora has provided a very I don't, I don't I don't know how to phrase it, but, you know, he's not very open. He's not a happy go lucky type guy. And sometimes you go the direct opposite way when you, when you make a change and make a hire. 
Um, this is not to say that there is going to be a change, but you know, there needs to be kind of a change in the in the culture and sense of of the head coach and that personality. I'll be interested to see what y'all think about that and just the type of personality this program kind of needs at this juncture to get back on track. I'll chime in and purely hypothetical. Yeah. I, I think you need uh, a guy that can relate to the players. Like Mike mentioned, you got to have um, guys that can relate to the younger crowd. And we talk about the millennials all the time joking around, but it is different. Damn millennials. And um, at it again, they're ruining football, they're ruining this country. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you need somebody. I'm not, you know, I, I don't think you need somebody that uh, the press loves or maybe the fan base loves because, I mean, you can have a crotchety old guy if he wins. Yeah. And folks will love him. See uh, Saban, comma, Nick. But I know that's a, you know, that's the elite level issue. But I think, Mike, and I want your opinion on this. We've talked about it. I think you need a guy that commands respect, a disciplinarian, but you don't have to be a disciplinarian being a screamer and holler, a hollerer, because what I like to see when I'm watching football teams is ones that play smart, fast, and physical, and they really do that, and they and they don't do the silly and stupid stuff that um, we've seen right much of in the last uh, few years in Chapel Hill. Mike, your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, it it comes down to recruiting, right? So you you got to have you you, you got to have the type of guys on the team that incentivize working hard. And the way what I, what I mean by that is that you have to you have to incentivize following the rules and incentivize following the program, right? With losing your reps. And we talked about it uh, I think it was either last week or the week before. We talked about accountability versus or uh sorry, ability versus reliability, right? If I if you don't know what you're gonna if you don't know what to do, if you're not gonna do your job, if you're not gonna execute the game plan that I've set forth, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna use the techniques that I am teaching you as a position coach, you're just not gonna play. And I'm not gonna get worked up over it, right? It doesn't mean I don't like you as a person. It doesn't mean I don't think you're a bad human being. It doesn't even mean I think you're a bad football player. I just think I'm gonna be more successful with the other guys. So I'm gonna move you along. And I'm gonna put the other guy in. And if you wanna play, you're gonna show me that you're the guy that I want. You're gonna show me that it's that it's a bad move for me to not have you on the field. And the way you do that is by competing with everybody on the roster and creating a sense of from a coach's perspective, creating that sense of competition, right? Which instills a a natural, inherent sense of urgency in everybody. And if you're able to have that, and you only build that with depth, and that's why I started it off with with recruiting. I mean, you're not going to be able to do this unless you actually have the talent uh, behind guys on the depth chart that actually makes them feel pushed, right? It makes them feel a little uneasy and a little unsettled that if I don't do exactly what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to lose my job. Um, so it starts, it starts with being able to recruit. So whatever head coach you have has to put a staff in place. Basically, you got to have 10 Tommy Thigpens. You got to have guys that can go out and get players uh, because that natural composite of competitive, athletic, highly ranked, right, highly skilled players, well-coached players, that composite of those guys is going to ultimately make it's just going to feed off of itself constantly and you're going to see uh you're going you're going to see improvement individually uh with the players which is going to translate to wins on the field and that all starts with recruiting and having a head coach that can establish a coaching staff that knows how to recruit and and, and recruit the right players at the right positions from the right places. 
And back to like the CEO thing, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of Dave Clawson, kind of the Wake Forest coach, yeah. Dave Clawson, kind of talk and how he carries himself. I, I've listened to him in person at the ACC Media Day, and he carries himself in a way that you kind of, I think, kind of fits what UNC would would look for in a, a CEO type coach. Uh, you know, very poised, very well spoken, uh, very personable, and that kind of thing. I think that, that goes a long way when, when you talk, talk about professionalism that, that comes with being you know, one of the highest paid employees of the state and the, one of the, the faces of your uh, university and someone who is is going to not go on a rant about questionable CTE uh, ideologies and things like that. Um, and, and so that's kind of a – when I heard him talk the first time, I think two years ago, and kind of saw him in person, and I was struck by you kind of the CEO aspect of that. I think that's important to consider as well um, when we talk about what we look for in a head coach. All right, now moving off the coaching aspect of it, Ross, I'll, I'll go to you first because you cover these guys. You see them up close, and then Mike, chime in. And I certainly have an opinion. I've voiced it plenty. But what is a realistic expectation for this program as a whole? And what are the steps that are needed to get there? Uh, the one, the three, the five-year horizon. The shout-out to David Yellen off Twitter for that question. Ross, go. Yeah, I think it's super interesting to kind of dive into that. Um, you know, right now the program is clearly not in place, but there is some talent on this team. Um, I think, especially in the 2000, what was that, eight, 18 class that just came in. You've, you've got some true freshmen already starting. You've got uh, two quarterbacks that, that seem that obviously can potentially be starters down the line. You've got some offensive linemen. So there is talent on this team. And there is some upperclassmen that are going to stay with the program and be players. Um, you know, you've kind of got got to get back to to, to bowl to making the bowl, and then and get on the on the recruiting side and start bringing in the big time recruits that at times Fedora has landed, but Bush Jones landed before him, things like that. I mean, realistically, I think there's a little hole been dug that's going to be hard to to get up to the eight nine win era um, range. And I think you know getting to six seven wins is uh six seven eight wins is kind of what you should shoot for in the immediate future program wise you got to get the fan base and the support back behind the team and you you see this on twitter you see this everywhere about what that's going to take and it obviously comes down to winning you need winning to to get fans to get the the north carolina residents back in to get students back involved because Student section's horrible. You know, the turnout has been bad the last two years. You know, UNC is uh, has only had one game so far, so we'll see what happens uh, when Virginia Tech comes into town. But whatever it takes to do that, whether that is reducing the price of tickets, whether that is, um, you know, doing more outreach um, with the coaching staff and players, um, it ultimately comes down to wins, and that's kind of the chicken and the egg thing. I think is it's difficult to talk about. And it's inter- it's difficult to figure out. You know, how do you get to win? I mean, does it, does the fan support affect recruiting? And that's why recruiting is bad. Is the lack of winning affect recruiting? And you can't get recruits, so it compiles on itself. Um, so right now, I think the program is 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 heading on a slight downhill projection, and you've got to kind of level that out. Get back to basics rebuild the fan base to a respectable level and then, and then get on the recruiting trail and start getting some of those wins and win those games that UNC normally would win, those toss-up games we talked about, to get back into that bowl, uh, making those bowl games. Uh, what do you think, uh, Mike? 
Yeah, so the one thing that I experienced personally was uh, the 06 recruiting class that I was a part of. And what that, the 06 class was able to set up the program for um, at least what looked like um, some some fairly significant sustained success. At least It at least put the program back on the upward trajectory that it was looking for because we, we won five games in 05. We only won three games in 06. But the one thing that John did and that staff did was they went ahead and they hunkered down and they focused on the state of North Carolina. And they recruited the best class out of the state of North Carolina. And I remember on the, on the Shrine Bowl team, uh, out of that North Carolina Shrine Bowl team, I think we had maybe 11 guys, 12 guys off of that roster just from the North Carolina side that were committed and signed and came in in that 06 class with me. Um, and, and, and that really, I think that ultimately paid dividends. It, there was, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of buy-in from us because we were representing the school of the state that we were from. Uh, I think there was a lot more excitement around, uh, from the fan base because we had, uh, we'd, we'd circled, we, we, we'd circled the state of North Carolina, we'd hunkered down and we'd landed the biggest names in the state. Um, and then we got some other big names from, from elsewhere. But I think that focus on homegrown talent and getting them to the flagship university of the state of North Carolina. Um, I think getting all those guys together and put in the, put in the locker room at the same time in one class, I think that really helped a lot. Uh, perhaps that type of recruiting approach going into next season or in the forthcoming seasons, maybe that's the type of catalyst, um, the spark, I guess, that, that lights the fire under the fan bases, but the team's butt, the program's butt. Um, maybe that's what does it. But, you know, frankly, it, Russ, I mean, I agree with you. I think we're on a downward trend right now, and it's difficult to solve that problem without without winning and recruiting. And again, you've got a dog chasing its tail problem, right? What, yep. what affects what? Winning games absolutely affects recruiting because now that everything is televised, everything's on Twitter, everybody's got an opinion, there's an access to these games that there wasn't before. I mean, every single game is on national TV every single week. It wasn't like that in when I was coming up, 04, 05, 06. It just – there was a select number of games. We didn't have all these different ESPNs, and, and there weren't all the league contracts, right? There wasn't the ACC or the SEC or the Big Ten Network. Those didn't exist. So we didn't have access to – all these games and we didn't get to see really who was good, who was bad. Um, it really was, that was really a time for recruiting to shine and for recruiters to shine um, uh, when, when trying to convince high school kids to come to their program. I think those days are gone. So now winning is at a premium uh, and winning certainly begets better recruiting and better recruiting begets better talent and better talent begets more winning. So it's, it's all a, it's, it's very circular. Um, and it ultimately becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you have one bad class, I mean, it can start to sink you. And that's kind of what we're seeing. We had some 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 lack of success on the recruiting trail, and then we took uh, we took that lack of success and failed to develop the 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 gems that may have been in those those uh, lesser ranked classes. And now we see where we're at right now. We're 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 spiraling the drain, unfortunately. And now we're going to talk about Jersey Mike's. I'm going to do a oh, different kind yes. of live read. <laughs> we're we're promoting a grand opening for a new Jersey Mike's uh, franchise. It's the same company, Jersey Mike's of Chapel Hill. They're expanding their empire into Chatham County. So circle mm. Wednesday, October 10th. That's the grand opening. This is going to be in the Chatham Crossing Shopping Center. It's a Lowe's Foods Shopping Center down there. Uh, it's right south of Chapel Hill, kind of near Briar Chapel. If you're coming up into the into the area to Chapel Hill, Durham, you're coming from Sanford, Pittsburgh, Pinehurst, Southern Pines, 
even Laurenburg. It's right on your way into Chapel Hill there. And we're still doing the same offer. Heels 15 to get 15% off your order. It's an online promotion. Head to jerseymikes.com backslash order. See all the locations in the Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, and now Chatham Cat. Enter Heels 15 and get 15% off your whole order. It's good for a lunch, tailgating. You know, maybe you're, you're heading home from work late and your family hasn't eaten. You want to grab some subs for the kids and the, and the, the wife or husband. Super Get 15% fatty. off your Just order with heels, with heels 15. So remember the code, heels 15. The location, Chapel Hill, are off Elliott Road, off MLK, um, at Falcon Bridge Shopping Center, off of 54. And the one in Hillsborough is right off the interstate exit 261. All are off I-40. And remember the new location, down south of Chapel Hill, in Chatham Crossing Shopping Center, right there by Lowe's Food. Jersey Mike's great option. We love the guys there that are they're working with us. They're going to be in Keene Stadium this fall and also uh, with the tailgate guys as well. So heels 15 on your online order. Help out the IC podcast and some UNC fans and help out yourself with a sweet 15% discount. Tommy? Good stuff. And if you want and you're listening, feel free to bring some Jersey Mike's down to the bowls lot at some point. Uh, not the Virginia Tech game because it's going to be live with a pig. Mike, <laughs> speaking of pigs in a good way, let's talk about the big boys on the offensive line. Mm. The uh, you, you sent me a message when you said what you wanted to talk about for this podcast. Yes. And, and you said, let's talk about the OL and how good they're doing, especially in one particular stat. So I'll give you the floor to explain to me and explain to Ross and I and our listeners why the OL um, is looking very good or at least better than a lot of people want to think given how the season's progressed. Pass protection. We're one of the best teams in the country in terms of sacks given up, and that's because our guys have taken uh, Coach Cap's coaching, which uh, I, I believe Coach Cap is a, is, is, is a solid offensive line coach. They've taken his – uh, they've taken his technique, they've taken his coaching, and they have bought in, and they're applying it, and you're seeing it work. We've got guys that got some experience uh, up there on the offensive line, and what they're what they're doing is taking what they're learning in the film room and learning on the practice field and applying it to the game uh, in a way that uh, I haven't seen, uh, it, it, at least in Chapel Hill, in a long time. Um, it's this this really is something I I I, I can't stress enough how big of a deal it is that you got an offensive line that isn't giving up any sacks. Um, yeah, I think we've got what, – what, I don't know about before last week, but I think we had one going into the Miami game on the whole season or something like that. It, was, it wasn't many. It was – Yeah, it was uh, one. It, it was a fair – yeah, that's, that's, that's significant, folks. Um, there aren't many offensive lines in the country that are playing that way. And the reason they're playing like that is, is, is number one, they're handling their individual assignment. They're, sorry, they're handling their individual assignments. Their, their their technique in terms of their shoulder integrity, their hips uh, staying parallel to the sideline, or sorry, staying uh, perpendicular to the sidelines, um, all of that is 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 coming together, and it's allowing them each individually to win their individual matchups. But where they're really showing improvement and they're really getting some success is they're shutting down twist games, and they're 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 making defensive coordinators have to line up and play these guys straight up. And our guys are proving that at least in pass protection. We are better than their guys. Um, when you can't, 
when you can't twist an offensive line in a submission, when you can't pick guys, you can't get them free. You can't get uh, you can't get rushers through, get hits on the quarterback, get pressure on the quarterback. A defensive coordinator's only got two options at that point. Uh, he can pin the defense's ears back and start blitzing the hell out of you. But if you start picking that up the way our guys have, um, then you got to put a stop to that because that's leaving open lanes left and right uh, in the passing game. So then you just have to revert back to one-on-one matchups and hope that your athletes are better than our athletes. And it's turning out that at least on the offensive line, uh, our guys are better than their guys. And that's really refreshing to see. So there is a bright spot right now in this season so far. Uh, and if Carolina is going to have any success this season, it's going to be because you know, our offensive line is, is, is protecting at a, at a, at an all time rate right now. It really is impressive. And, and I hope everybody appreciates it and pays a little more attention to it moving forward this season. Yeah. And let me jump in here. I, I think the run blocking has been decent. Uh, you'll probably have a better eye than I would, Mike, but I mean, there were some holes there, especially getting to the outside with Michael Carter and at times Antonio Williams and Jordan Brown. Uh, I don't know why, I guess UNC got down so, so deep. They had to start passing the ball more, but the run game at times will look pretty good, especially in the first half. Um, obviously, turning the ball over did not help continue those drives. But um, has, has the run blocking improved? Have you seen any, any changes or differences? And what's your perspective on that, Mike? Yeah, I mean, one thing I've been preaching all year is second-level assignments, and guys got a lot better against that uh, against Miami. And that's, that's why we started seeing more success. Uh, backside footwork was better, so we had a lot of guys uh, up through the Miami game. And there was still some of it against Miami, but it was it was – much improved guys on the backside, especially on your outside zones were stepping underneath themselves. So they weren't gaining, gaining any ground with their first step. Um, and if you remember those old ass Mike videos that I, that I did when I was up there in Chapel Hill, uh, the demonstration <laughs> videos, we went over this um, on the backside. If you're a backside tackle, trying to cut off a backside three technique, say you're the left tackle, right? We're running 18 outside zone to the right. Your job is to cut down that three technique. Um, the only way you're going to do that is if you t- you step with your right foot and you gain ground. You don't step underneath yourself. Your right foot should essentially be in front of your frame on your first step. If it's underneath your hips, you've already lost the rep. Um, there was a lot of that going on earlier in the season. We improved it against Miami, and and getting the backside down was really helping uh, helping our run game, particularly our outside zone game. And then second-level assignments on double teams on the backside, uh, getting on the linebackers, there was much less hesitation. Uh, our run fits were significantly better than they have been. And, and, and that led to some success. Obviously you, you hit the nail on the head. We got, we got down due to turnovers and we had to just start air, you know, airmail and everything. But uh, up until that point, I was seeing little, uh, little bits and pieces of improvement there that, 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 that really is a testament to coach caps coaching and the guys responding to that coaching. Um, you know, we have an offensive line that wants to be good and uh, that's, that's indicated by their, uh, their improvement every single week. It's just kind of pitiful how we, how UNC, can't pass the ball forward or get any sort of positive yards in terms of passing uh, the forward pass, which obviously means from what past UNC teams have done, but just can't find a quarterback who can make the the sharp pass downfield to hit an open wide receiver to get big chunks of yard. We saw it a little bit more against Pitt, but that was non-existent against Miami. And it really makes you one dimensional. It was the run game and then it was horizontal passes and screens the outside uh, and just hoping that they could make one guy miss, make a, a cornerback or a safety miss the outside to try to get some positive yardage. And that didn't happen too much against Miami. Mike, your thoughts on uh, Buck Sanders' column about the wishbone. And obviously Carolina's not going into the, you know, the Oklahoma with Jamel Holloway running the wishbone, but your thoughts of going to a more run-based type setup. I mean, I thought Surratt looked pretty good running the football against Miami. And, it definitely surprised them. They figured it out, 
and it kind of shut it down. But your thoughts on doing something similar to maybe like Baylor did in the bowl game? I mean, you've got – I think I saw the snap counts, which is a great feature on Inside Carolina now. But if it was correct, uh, Williams had 40 snaps and only four carries. And that's damn absurd. I, I mean, I don't care how you shake it. I don't care if you're down 100 to zero. That stat is ridiculous for this North Carolina team. So your thoughts on maybe if it were even remotely possible, if it would happen, going to a more run-based or run-heavy attack for North Carolina, and how how do you think the OL and the team would fare doing it? Well, we hired Larry Fedora, right, because he's a uh, he was he was I won't call him a revolutionary offensive coordinator, but he was on the forefront of that spread offense stuff. Uh, when he was at Oklahoma State, when he was at Southern Miss, so we went in that one direction to one extreme. Let's let, let's let, let's go to another extreme. There was a time, Tommy, when there was no such thing as a forward pass. Let's get real conservative with this. I mean, let's go back to old timey ground and pound football. I mean, like football guy football. You know, what I mean, when men were men. Let's go back to that. And I know that Chapel Hill, the People's Republic of Chapel Hill, isn't exactly the bastion of, of, of conservatism and traditionalism. But, hell, we can start here. We can, the revolution can start with Carolina football. And we can go back to just running the football like Baylor did. No, I'm, I'm with you. I think, uh, I think the days of choo-choo justice, I think, I think, I think choo-choo's freshman year needs to make a comeback. What do you think? It's, it's, it actually is a good idea. It's, it, you know, and Ross, I'm sure, Ross, I'm sorry to cut you off. I think that's what you're about to say. But. It, it yeah, is. A, I mean, it is. I, a good I, idea. It may. It may be the only thing we. The only play we have at this point. And listen, if you can, if you can run the ball, look at Paul Johnson, Georgia Tech. Right? They've only started throwing the ball with a quarterback that can complete passes in the last four years, three years. Uh, before that, it was just ground and pound every single. You know, the, every single game, every single series, they just controlled the clock. Right? And if you can eat up the clock and keep the other team off the field, it's it's hard to score points. And if you can score on ninety percent of your drives and keep the other team's possession number down, right? So you figure you get roughly on average two possessions a quarter. If you can cut that down to one, say you can keep a team from instead of getting eight to ten possessions a game, you keep them to six to eight possessions, right? But you maintain your normal number of possessions, and you score on 90% of that, you're going to win. That's the Georgia Tech model. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the wishbone's not – it's it's not not a bad idea in theory. The problem is we're going to have to do it with our current run schemes, uh, we can't implement a brand new offense in the middle of the season. It's just not going to happen. And, and a wishbone is an entirely new offensive scheme. But based on our current run packages, yeah, I mean, we could get very run heavy and it would wear teams down. You'd start seeing success with it, you know, second half of the third quarter on through the end of the game, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I think three of our best players on offense are the running backs in terms of oh, the yeah. skill players. You got Michael Carter, Antonio Williams are studs, I think, when they've had chances. And Jordan Brown runs hard and he runs tough. And those three guys combine that with Surratt, mix in a little passing. I mean, you this team is going to have to try something to get things going. Obviously, the passing game is not working. And, um, you know, you can try and try and try, but that's the, what's the old saying is the sign of being an idiot is, is trying something and expecting the same result after it keeps oh, failing. Oh, insanity, yeah. yeah the insanity. Definition of insanity. Trying yeah, something, like expecting better things to happen, but uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't, I don't mind the idea of, of focusing and getting more creative with that run game and, and involve a little passing here and there. But uh, the O line seems to kind of at times be a strength, so we'll go with that. But now we're going to talk about heels travel, and heels travel. My man Chuck Joyce has set up a website and a company to help Tar Heel fans travel to away games. 
And right now we're promoting the basketball games, promoting the trip to Las Vegas over Thanksgiving weekend. It's a three-night stay in the Aria Hotel and Resort. It's a great chance to go out and see your heels play two basketball games against great competition. It's a three-night stay. You get all the uh, airfare, transportation to and from the hotel to the airport. You get a chance to watch your heels. Go to heelstravel.com and check out that option. Also, the trip to Chicago to see UNC versus Kentucky. Those teams might be both top five, maybe top ten teams by that time. It's over uh, late December. I think it's December 22nd, 23rd, UNC versus Kentucky. Round trip airfare from RDU transportation to and from the airport and of course hotel accommodations to so check out that option as well and right now we're also starting to get ready for the ACC tournament you know, there's gonna be hotel accommodations for that as well so check out heelstravel.com it gets everything situated and organized so you can get down to watch your heels play on the hardwood heelstravel.com and now Tommy I think has our our final discussion questions for this uh, wonderful IC pod hey Ross I got a, I got a question does old does old Mr. Chuck Joyce, old Chucky Jays, he give you tickets to the to the pool party at the Wynn Hotel? You get you get tickets to that pool party in your little <laughs> heels travel visit to Vegas? I'm in. I don't even know if I'm I don't even know if I'm going to Vegas. We'll have to see tell, if I tell old Chucky Juice I'm in if he gets those tickets to the Wynn. Man, this is going off the rails. Let's keep it there. Mike, who's the biggest uh I almost said bad word. Who who's the, was the biggest junk talker you played against? And what was the worst thing somebody ever said to you on the football field? And, that and I you, suck. And I heard that from the stands. Um, <laughs> that was your folks. That was, yeah, that was my, that was my dad. Um, that was Butch telling me he's going to take my scholarship. Um, no, I, the worst junk talker ever, I mean, pick a dude that plays for Virginia. I mean, I don't know. I mean, any idiot. nameless, faceless dude, <laughs> idiot from Virginia. Um, Jabal Sheard from uh, Pittsburgh, he was he was pretty bad. Um, that started in pregame. I'll never forget that. That dude ran his mouth almost as much as I did. Um, and then Willie Young from NC State, he was he ran he ran his mouth the whole game. Uh, Scotty, uh, what the hell? What was his name? Uh, uh, Scotty Robinson from ECU, two thousand nine. But I think I brought some of that on myself because I, I started that. He he wore a grill as a mouthpiece and. And that's that kind of got the ball rolling for me. I I wasn't going to let what that kind go. of stuff. <laughs> what kind of stuff are they saying to you at the college level? We hear about you know NBA trash talk, and we see some stuff in the NFL. But what kind of stuff are they saying right there in the trenches at the college level? A lot of learned institutions in the ACC, Ross. I mean, we're talking about you know thesis dissertations and um, you know Marxist hegemony and uh, post-industrial age Europe. I mean that kind of stuff. That's 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 what we're talking about. See, we can't get anything out of you, man. No, nah, man. We're talking. I mean, uh, listen. What, what what are we talking about on the field? I mean, it's 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 some uh, elaborate variation of "you suck." No, you suck, and that's kind of what it boils down to. <laughs> each other sucks. So by the more, end of the day, more color. Yeah, yeah. There's a little, little, little more. Uh, there's more adverbs and uh, nouns, other parts of speech thrown in there, and then some other stuff that's I don't even Be- know. Best line you ever said. Come on, be- best. Uh, line or comeback you had to somebody because i know you remember you said something and you laugh about it with your boys these days what was it oh i mean well i i got two i mean scotty scotty robinson there from ecu i remember that in 2009 we were i was i was in his ear the whole game and i mean that was part of what i tried to do to get guys out of their game um you were that guy 
Well, I'd wait. I would wait until they'd say something to me because invariably it always happened. I always had somebody (laughs) try and say something to me. And at that point it was game on, game on friend. Um, (laughs) Scotty Robinson did that. He's number 53 defensive end for ECU when they had that all NFL defensive line. They were good uh, in 09, at least up front. And uh, I remember towards the end of the game, it got to a point where uh, we were standing in the huddle. I kept telling Scotty the whole game that he looked like he was tired. I mean, I felt bad for him. Like, I was asking about his family. I researched what his mom's name was, his sister's name, his family. I mean, I knew who his friends were. Uh, I talked to some guys that were on a team from Charlotte about him. I had a little inside information on him, and I'm just sitting there trying to talk with him, be his friend. And I thought we were friends. He wasn't really having it. Um, so we got to the end of the game, and we were in the huddle. And I told him, I said, Sky, man, I think you look tired. And, and he kept trying to wave me off. And I, sh- I picked up a Gatorade bottle, and I tried to go give it to him while we were, you know, during a timeout. And he got mad at me and he threw it back at me. And uh, I didn't. I didn't think that was very nice. I was just trying to be friends. But uh, and then there was right. NC. We're gonna. Go <laughs> we gotta wrap this up. We gotta wrap no, this up, bro. Well, no, 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 no. What did you talk about? Insanity earlier. What's what's insanity? Thinking you're gonna get me to talk in one minute clips every single week, and yet it never happens. That's insanity. <laughs> we can talk about tailgating later. What was the next one? Go ahead, Ross. If you need to drop, I know you have uh, bigger and brighter things in your future. Yes, it ah, does. I'm ready. Go ahead. Yeah, Mike. You were going to tell us another story, maybe about NC State. Oh yeah, no. I just remember they had a corner. We were down there on the goal line in 2010, and uh, we were about to go in and score. And I told the corner that I was pulling out to him and don't take my knees out. And he smiled at me, and I said, "Please don't do it." I told you not to do it. I asked very nicely, and I went out there. And sure enough, when I pulled out there, he cut my knees out, and my head hit the turf, and I sort of blacked out a little bit. And when I came to, I was bare rolling him, and then I lifted his face mask up and I punched him in the throat. And Brad. The head, uh, the head ACC ref came over as I was telling him, I told you not to effing cut my legs out. And Brad says, uh, Mike, 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 because Brad used to ref our practices um, during the week for Butch. And uh, he says, Mike, 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 you, uh, you can't push off of him like that. And I said, oh, that's what I was doing. And I went back over to the huddle. We ended up not scoring because we lost that game. But, but that was a little victory for me. Let me take our final break of the show, and then I'll, I promise, Ross, I'll let you in on this. All right, Ross, you can ask your final question. We'll get closer to the end eventually. <laughs> was that right, 41 for, to 10? Uh, for t- no, 41 to 10 was an eight. Oh yeah, that's when we were frozen right, on for Tommy. <laughs> we good? Everybody good? Everybody set? Yeah, we're, we're good. Move along. All Go right. ahead. Uh, it's from Steven Brooks. I think it's a good way to close the podcast. We can ask Tommy his reflections on this from his college days. I can give my perspective. But Steven Brooks asks, with a night game approaching, what is the best tailgate best? to get you where you need to be but also literally get you into the game and i think we can evolve that into the tailgating game day consumption plan with a with a 7 p.m 8 p.m kickoff and kind of how you operate through the day tommy what's kind of your approach uh in college it was much different than it is now college it was whatever beer you could get your hands on and granted this was in like 89 90 ish and on up so I, I never did the bush or the beast light stuff but whatever beer you could get your hands on it was all day every day thing i remember schlitz. uh schlitz uh old english you know before these these kids today think they're cool they weren't cool we were cool back there in, in the early 90s but uh these days ross it's um it depends on how wild it's gonna get you know is it a is it a brown looker night or is it a, a vodka night or vodka night? Ooh. So uh, coming to Virginia Tech 
on October, what is that, 13th? Yes, we're, yes. we're going to, Buck Sanders will be down there with us in the Bowls lot, and this goes to the best tailgating spot, um, at least for the common man at Carolina football. Bowls lot, pig picking, it's going to be pretty good uh, down in the Bowls lot for Virginia Tech. You know, the game, at some point, probably at 5 o'clock, the game won't even matter. I don't know if the game will be made, but uh, it'll be a fun time in the Bowls so lot. Five, five o'clock on what day? Today? Uh, oh, no. No, see, Tommy. there's responsibilities, Mike, so it'll have to be on Saturday. Um, It would be like five o'clock, four hours ago if it was back in the old college days. <laughs> so, Tommy, do you go, you go brown liquor all day uh, coming up here on a Saturday, or do you stick to beer? What's kind of your progression throughout the the day? At my age it's a, now, it's a, it's a middle aged man, middle aged man tailgating for a for a seven p.m. kickoff. Um, so it, if it's still hot, it could be some. Uh, they're called orangutans, which is a tang slushy moonshine. <laughs> Come <mixture>. on, please. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you ask, you ask that. You will well, not so remember it. I like it. So, uh, yes, I'm Johnston County, man. Uh, trust me. And it's the real yeah, stuff, right. not not the store-bought. Um, but Saturday the 13th, it'll probably be some, uh, I don't know, some some sort of brown all day. Uh, at least after the kids' games are over with and the driver okay. gives us Chapel Hill. <laughs> I'll take that brown comment out of context. Um, so, I'll go – <laughs> I'll go. So I'd say that the the key is getting a good buzz going at the beginning of the, of the day, whenever you start, whether that be kind of around noon. And that goes with some liquor drinks. You know, I used to go Evan Williams a lot when I was in college. You get two or three, four of those down to get that buzz going. Then you just go light beer the rest of the day. So you can kind of make it through, keep, get, get, get a little hydrated with a little bush light, natty light, whatever they, whatever they have. And keep that going. You can't go heavy with IPAs. Because you only have two or three of those IPAs or you need this craft beer before it really weighs you down. So you got to go brown liquor uh, to stay light and to kick that buzz off, to keep that buzz going, and then go uh, go bush light and keep hydrating. You know, I'd recommend for every beer and every drink to, to have a, a whole glass of water, a whole bottle of water. And that keeps you hydrated. That will really help you the next morning uh, particularly. And then before you go to bed, I would chug two big glasses of water or some Gatorade to, to keep those fluids in you so when you wake up, you don't feel as bad. Um, that's what I kind of do in general, even even to this day. When I when I have a big day of day drinking, it's uh, it's brown liquor, light beer, and a bunch of water. Wait wait a minute. And, Mike, I want to get your um, high society tailgate options for our, our listeners. <laughs> law, the law school tailgate. Yeah, the uh, Dom Perignon. So, so, Ross, you're still drinking Bush Light as a grown man? Financial light. I go. I mean, sometimes. I mean, I have. I keep. I keep a Sierra Nevadas in my refrigerator. But occasionally, I'll, I'll buy a case of Bush Light. It's what I grew up on. My brother bought me Bush Light when he was in college and came back when I was when I was too young to purchase beer. And so I grew up on Bush Light. And it's a it's a blue collar beer. You can work out in the yard with it. You can, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just like it. And it's light and it's refreshing. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't drink it a lot but when i'm having a, a big day of partying i do uh i do still buy bush light at times 
Inside oh, Carolina podcast brought to you by Bush Light. Yeah, I don't often drink beer, <laughs> but when I do, it's Bush Light. Mike, Bush Ice. Tell us, right. tell us about your uh, tailgating experience, Mike, as an old man. Oh, I, I'm just now getting into it because I haven't been able to really enjoy football uh, as a fan, but for the last couple of years. So, I mean, I'm I'm responsible. I'm responsible. I have a bar license. I'm responsible. Nice stuff. That matters. Yes, that really matters. Good stuff, Ross and Mike. I'm going to cut it off now so people can get to their uh, previously scheduled opportunities. But uh, we'll do it again next week. We'll actually have a ball game maybe to talk about. Um, I think October 13th sounds like the next big day for college football. Mike Ingersoll, Ross Martin, appreciate you joining me, guys. All right, see you, Tommy. See you. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now.